Homily 19, Part 1 of Homilies on Ephesians by St. John Chrysostom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Homily 19, Part 1 5, 15, 16, and 17 Look then carefully how ye walk, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He is still cleansing away the root of bitterness, still cutting off the very groundwork of anger. For what is he saying? Look carefully how ye walk. They are sheep in the midst of wolves, and he charges them to be also as doves. For ye shall be harmless, saith he, as doves. Forasmuch then as they were both amongst wolves, and were besides commanded not to defend themselves, but to suffer evil, they needed this admonition. Not indeed but that the former was sufficient to render them stronger, but now that there is besides the addition of the two, reflect how exceedingly it is heightened. Observe then here also how carefully he secures them by saying, Look how ye walk. Whole cities were at war with them, yea, this war made its way also into houses. They were divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. What then? Whence these divisions? They heard Christ say, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me lest therefore they should think that he was without reason introducing wars and fightings, since there was likely to be much anger produced if they on their part were to retaliate. To prevent this, he says, See carefully how ye walk. That is to say, accept the gospel message. Give no other handle on any score whatever for the hatred which you will incur let this be the only ground of hatred let no one have any other charge to make against you but show all deference and obedience whenever it does no harm to the message whenever it does not stand in the way of godliness for it is said render to all their dues tribute to whom tribute custom to whom custom for when amongst the rest of the world they shall see us forbearing they will be put to shame not as unwise but as wise redeeming the time it is not from any wish that you would be artful and versatile that he gives this advice but what he means is this the time is not yours at present ye are strangers and sojourners and foreigners and aliens seek not honours seek not glory seek not authority nor revenge bear all things and in this way redeem the time give up many things anything they may require imagine now i say a man had a magnificent house and persons were to make their way in on purpose to murder him and he were to give a large sum and thus to rescue himself then we should say he has redeemed himself so also hast thou a large house and a true faith in thy keeping. They will come to take all away. Give whatever they may demand, only preserve the principal thing, 
I mean the faith. Because the day, saith he, are evil. What is the evil of the day? The evil of the day ought to belong to the day. What is the evil of a body? Disease. And what again the evil of the soul? Wickedness. What is the evil of water? Bitterness. And the evil of each particular thing is with reference to that nature of it which is affected by the evil. If then there is an evil in the day, it ought to belong to the day, to the hours, to the daylight. So also Christ saith, Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And from this expression we shall understand the other. In what sense then does he call the day's evil? In what sense the time evil? It is not the essence of the thing, not the things as so created, but it is the things transacted in them. In the same way as we are in the habit of saying, I have passed a disagreeable and wretched day. And yet how could it be disagreeable, except from the circumstances which took place in it? Now the events which take place in it are good things from God, but evil things from bad men. So then of the evils which happen in the times, men are the creators, and hence it is that the times are said to be evil. And thus we also call the times evil. Verses 17 and 18 Wherefore, he adds, Be ye not foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is riot. For indeed intemperance in this renders men passionate and violent, and hot-headed and irritable and savage. Wine has been given us for cheerfulness, not for drunkenness. Whereas now it appears to be an unmanly and contemptible thing, for a man not to get drunk. And what sort of hope, then, is there of salvation? What? Contemptible, tell me, not to get drunk, where to get drunk ought of all things in the world to be most contemptible. For it is of all things right for even a private individual to keep himself far from drunkenness. But how much more so for a soldier, a man who lives among swords, and bloodshed, and slaughter, much more, I say, for the soldier, when his temper is sharpened by other causes also, by power, by authority, by being constantly in the midst of stratagems and battles. Wouldst thou know where wine is good? Hear what the scripture saith. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto the bitter in soul. And justly, because it can mitigate asperity and gloominess, and drive away clouds from the brow. Wine maketh glad the heart of man, says the psalmist. How then does wine produce drunkenness? For it cannot be that one and the same thing should work opposite effects. Drunkenness, then, surely does not arise from wine, but from intemperance. Wine is bestowed upon us for no other purpose than for bodily health but this purpose also is thwarted by immoderate use. But hear, moreover, what our blessed Apostle writes and says to Timothy. Use a little wine for thy stomach's sake, and thine often infirmities. This is the reason why God has formed our bodies in moderate proportions, and so as to be satisfied with a little, 
from thence at once instructing us that he has made us adapted to another life and that life he would fain have bestowed upon us even from the very beginning but since we rendered ourselves unworthy of it he deferred it and in the time during which he deferred it not even in that does he allow us immoderate indulgence for a little cup of wine and a single loaf is enough to satisfy a man's hunger and man the lord of all the brute creation has he formed so as to require less food in proportion than they and his body small thereby declaring to us nothing else than this that we are hastening onward to another life be not drunk says he with wine wherein is riot for it does not save but it destroys and that not the body only but the soul also verses eighteen nineteen twenty and twenty one but be filled with the spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody with your heart to the lord giving thanks always for all things in the name of our lord jesus christ to god even the father subjecting yourselves one to another in the fear of christ dost thou wish he says to be cheerful dost thou wish to employ the day i give thee spiritual drink for drunkenness even cuts off the articulate sounds of our tongue it makes us lisp and stammer and distorts the eyes and the whole frame together learn to sing psalms and thou shalt see the delightfulness of the employment for they who sing psalms are filled with the holy spirit as they who sing satanic songs are filled with an unclean spirit what is meant by with your hearts to the lord it means with close attention and understanding for they who do not attend closely merely sing uttering the words whilst their heart is roaming elsewhere always he says giving thanks for all things in the name of our lord jesus christ unto god even the father subjecting yourselves one to another in the fear of christ that is let your request be made known unto god with thanksgiving for there is nothing so pleasing to god as for a man to be thankful but we shall be best able to give thanks unto god by withdrawing our souls from the things before mentioned and by thoroughly cleansing them by the means he has told us but be filled says he with the spirit and is then this spirit within us yes indeed within us for when we have driven away lying and bitterness and fornication and uncleanness and covetousness from our souls when we are become kind tender-hearted forgiving one another when there is no jesting when we have rendered ourselves worthy of it what is there to hinder the holy spirit from coming and lighting upon us and not only will he come unto us but he will fill our hearts and when we have so great a light kindled within us then will the way of virtue be no longer difficult to attain but will be easy and simple giving thanks always he says for all things what then are we to give thanks for everything that befalls us yes 
be it even disease, be it even penury. For if a certain wise man gave this advice in the Old Testament, and said, Whatsoever is brought upon thee take cheerfully, and be patient when thou art changed to a low estate. Much more ought this to be the case in the new. Yes, even though thou know not the word, give thanks, for this is thanksgiving. But if thou give thanks when thou art in comfort and in affluence, in success and in prosperity, there is nothing great, nothing wonderful in that. What is required is for a man to give thanks when he is in afflictions, in anguish, in discouragements. Utter no word in preference to this. Lord, I thank thee. And why do I speak of the afflictions of this world? It is our duty to give God thanks, even for hell itself, for the torments and punishments of the next world. For surely it is a thing beneficial to those who attend to it, when the dread of hell is laid like a bridle on our hearts. Let us therefore give thanks, not only for blessings which we see, but also for those which we see not, and for those which we receive against our will. For many are the blessings he bestows upon us, without our desire, without our knowledge. And if ye believe me not, I will at once proceed to make the case clear to you. For consider, I pray, do not the impious and unbelieving Gentiles ascribe everything to the sun and to their idols? But what then? Doth he not bestow blessings even upon them? Is it not the work of his providence that they both have life and health and children and the like? And again, they that are called Martianites and the Manichees, do they not even blaspheme him? But what then? Does he not bestow blessings on them every day? Now if he bestows blessings on them that know them not, much more does he bestow them upon us. For what else is the peculiar work of God, if it be not this, to do good to all mankind, alike by chastisements and by enjoyments? Let us not then give thanks only when we are in prosperity, for there is nothing great in this, and this the devil also well knows, and therefore he said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made an hedge about him, and about all that he hath on every side? Touch all that he hath, no doubt he will renounce thee to thy face. However, that cursed one gained no advantage, and God forbid he should gain any advantage of us either. But whenever we are either in penury, or in sicknesses, or in disasters, then let us increase our thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, I mean, not in words nor in tongue, but in deeds and works, in mind and in heart. Let us give thanks unto him with all our souls. For he loves us more than our parents, and wide as is the difference between evil and goodness, so great is the difference between the love of God and that of our fathers. And these are not my words, but those of Christ himself who loveth us and hear what he himself saith. What man is there of you, who, if his son ask him for a loaf, will give him a stone? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father which is in heaven 
give good things to them that ask him and again bear what he saith also elsewhere can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb yea they may forget yet will not i forget thee saith the lord for if he loveth us not wherefore did he create us had he any necessity do we supply to him any ministry and service needeth he anything that we can render hear what the prophet says i have said unto the lord thou art my lord i have no good beyond thee the ungrateful however and unfeeling say that this were worthy of god's goodness that there should be an equality amongst all tell me ungrateful mortal what sort of things are they which thou deniest to be of god's goodness and what equality meanest thou such an one you will say has been a cripple from his childhood another is mad and is possessed another has arrived at extreme old age and has spent his whole life in poverty another in the most painful diseases are these the works of providence one man is deaf another dumb another poor whilst another impious yea utterly impious and full of ten thousand vices enjoys wealth and keeps concubines and parasites and is owner of a splendid mansion and lives an idle life and many instances of the sort they string together and weave a long account of complaint against the providence of god what then are we to say to them now if they were greeks and were to tell us that the universe is governed by some one or other we should in turn address to them the self-same words what then are things without a providence how then is it that ye reverence gods and worship genii and heroes for if there is a providence some one or other superintends the whole but if any whether christians or heathen should be impatient at this and be wavering what shall we say to them why could so many good things tell me arise of themselves the daily light the beautiful order and the forethought that exist in all things the mazy dances of the stars the equable course of the nights and days the regular gradation of nature in vegetables and animals and men who tell me is it that ordereth these if there were no superintending being but all things combined together of themselves who then was it that made this vault revolve so beautiful so vast i mean the sky and set it upon the earth nay more upon the waters who is it that gives the fruitful seasons who implanted so great power in seeds and vegetables for that which is accidental is necessarily disorderly whereas that which is orderly implies design for which tell me of the things around us that are accidental is not full of great disorder and of great tumult and confusion nor do i speak of things accidental only but of those also which imply some agent but an unskilful agent for example let there be timber and stone let there be lime withal and let a man unskilled in building take them and begin building and set hard to work will he not spoil and destroy everything again 
take a vessel without a pilot containing everything which a vessel ought to contain without a shipwright i do not say that it is unequipped and unfinished but though well equipped it will not be able to sail and could the vast extent of earth standing on the waters tell me ever stand so firmly and so long a time without some power to hold it together and can these views have any reason is it not the extreme of absurdity to conceive such a notion and if the earth supports the heaven behold another burden still but if the heaven also is borne upon the waters there arises again another question or rather not another question for it is the work of providence for things which are borne upon the water ought not to be made convex but concave wherefore because the whole body of anything which is concave is immersed in the waters as in the case with a ship whereas of the convex the body is entirely above and only the rim rests upon the surface so that it requires a resisting body hard and able to sustain it in order to bear the burden imposed but does the atmosphere then support the heaven why that is far softer and more yielding even than water and cannot sustain anything no not the very lightest things much less so vast a bulk in fine if we chose to follow out the argument of providence both generally and in detail time itself would fail us for i will now ask him who would start those questions above mentioned are these things the result of providence or of the want of providence and if he shall say that they are not from providence then again will i ask how then did they arise but no he will never be able to give any account at all and dost thou not know that much more then is it thy duty not to question not to be over-curious in those things which concern man and why not because man is nobler than all these and these were made for his sake not he for their sake if then thou knowest not so much as the skill and contrivance that are visible in his providence how shalt thou be able to know the reasons where he himself is the subject tell me i pray why did god form him so small so far below the height of heaven as that he should even doubt of the things which appear above him why are the northern and southern climes uninhabitable tell me i say why is the night made longer in winter and shorter in summer why are the degrees of cold and heat such as they are why is the body mortal and ten thousand questions besides will i ask thee and if thou wilt will never cease asking and in one and all thou wilt surely be at a loss to answer and thus is this of all things most providential that the reasons of things are kept secret from us for surely one would have imagined man to be the cause of all things were there not this to humble our understanding but such an one you will say is poor and poverty is an evil and what is it to be sick and what is it to be crippled o oh, man they are nothing one thing alone is evil that is to sin 
this is the only thing we ought to search to the bottom and yet we omit to search into the cause of what are really evils and busy ourselves about other things why is it that not one of us ever examines why he has sinned to sin is it then in my power or is it not in my power and why need i go round about me for a number of reasons i will seek for the answer within myself now then did i ever master my wrath did i ever master my anger either through shame or through fear of man then whenever i discover this done i shall discover that to sin is in my own power no one examines these matters no one busies himself about them but only according to job man in a way altogether different swims upon words for why does it concern thee if such an one is blind or such an one poor god hath not commanded thee to look to this but to what thou thyself art doing for if on the one hand thou doubtest that there is any power superintending the world thou art of all men the most senseless but if thou art persuaded of this why doubt that it is our duty to please god giving thanks always he says for all things to god go to the physicians and thou wilt see him whenever a man is discovered to have a wound using the knife and the cautery but no in thy case i say not so much as this but go to the carpenters and yet thou dost not examine his reasons although thou understandest not one of the things which are done there and many things will appear to thee to be difficulties as for instance when he hollows the wood when he alters its outward shape nay i would bring thee to a more intelligible craft still for instance that of the painter and there thy head will swim for tell me does he not seem to be doing what he does at random for what do his lines mean and the turns and bends of the lines but when he puts on the colours then the beauty of the art will become conspicuous yet still not even then wilt thou be able to attain to any accurate understanding of it but why do i speak of carpenters and painters our fellow-servants tell me how does the bee frame her comb and then shalt thou speak about god also master the handiwork of the ant the spider and the swallow and then shalt thou speak about god also tell me these things but no thou never canst wilt thou not cease then o man thy vain inquiries for vain indeed they are wilt thou not cease busying thyself in vain about many things nothing so wise as this ignorance where they that profess they know nothing are wisest of all and they that spend overmuch labour on these questions the most foolish of all so that to profess knowledge is not everywhere a sign of wisdom but sometimes of folly also for tell me suppose there were two men and one of them should profess to stretch out his lines and to measure the expanse that intervenes between the earth and heaven and the other were to laugh at him and declare that he did not understand it tell me i pray which should we laugh at 
him that said he knew or him that knew not evidently the man that said that he knew he that is ignorant therefore is wiser than he that professes to know and what again if any one were to profess to tell us how many cups of water the sea contains and another should profess his ignorance is not the ignorance here again wiser than the knowledge surely vastly so and why so because that knowledge itself is but intense ignorance for he indeed who says that he is ignorant knows something and what is that that it is incomprehensible to man yes and this is no small portion of knowledge whereas he that says he knows he of all others knows not what he says he knows and is for this reason utterly ridiculous end of homily nineteen part one